a blessing to be able to stand in front of you today and open the Word of God. And to take time to look to the Lord this morning for encouragement and help. I got to meet this morning with a group of men from our church and have a wonderful time of prayer. We prayed that the Lord would work in our hearts and lives today. I don't know about you, but as I look around in this world, there's a lot of things I feel discouraged about, feel sad about, a lot of difficulties that we see going on all around us, and uh, even in our own personal lives. My wife and I were talking about this this week. Today, it was nine years ago today, we lost a little one, our fourth child, and that child's with the Lord now. And, uh, it was early on in the pregnancy, but still a child. And uh, Nine years, hard to believe it's been that long. My, this week, 6.30 in the morning, on Friday morning, my brother-in-law lost his dad. That's a hard thing. And, uh, he was a husband, and a pastor, and a grandfather, and a father, brother, all kinds of wonderful things to so many people. and He's he's doing far better than we are today. He's with the Lord. So we're rejoicing in that. I, uh, I met with a dad this week who lost his three-month-old daughter on Tuesday. Spent hours this week working through and walking through helping folks who are going through various other struggles in their life. There's a lot of heavy things on my heart this morning. So I, I didn't feel like I could just get up and jump around and say yay today, but rather I wanted to share with you a message that I believe the Lord has laid on my heart to you to share with you this morning. Our theme this year has been forward, moving forward. The events of the last year and a half have really put a stop on everything. And as I was praying through last year what to preach on this year, I felt like it would be very helpful for us as a church to remember why God has put us here and that we are to continue to move forward for His glory and for the world around us that needs the light of Jesus Christ. We've been studying through the book of Acts together, and it's been a wonderful study as the early church persevered through very difficult times to continue to move forward. And we understand the truth of that from God's Word, that we are to continue to go forward in the strength of the Lord, to walk with Him, to serve Him until Jesus comes back. But there's also the reality that we are flesh, we're human beings. And I don't know about you, but there comes some time in your life, and I've felt this at various times, and this week especially, when you just feel like you can't move forward. Anybody else ever felt like that? Yeah, that was a pretty common feeling. Probably a lot of us, because of all the events in our world over the last couple of years, have all felt a lot of that all at the same time. Usually, maybe if you're going through a hard time, at least your friends aren't going through a hard time as well. And yet, as we've walked through the pandemic, as we've dealt with all of the division in our country over all kinds of different issues, it just feels like, I don't know if I want to keep going forward. I, maybe I'm just going to go, but I'm going to go by myself. I don't want to deal with these issues that I'm facing. I'm so thankful that God's Word speaks to every area of our life, though. So this morning, we're going to step out of the book of Acts and look at what may be a very familiar passage to you. If it's not, I hope it will become so. Over in the book of Isaiah, I want you to turn with me to Isaiah chapter 40. This past year, many people's lives have just stopped or been put on hold. Obviously, probably all of us know people who have lost their lives. We understand that God has given us His Word as believers, He's given us the Holy Spirit. We know we have the direction of the Word of God. We know that we have the hope of eternal life through Jesus Christ. But what do you do when you can't move forward? What do you do when you feel stuck, when you feel tired, when you're exhausted, when you're hurting? 
and you just want to stop, what do you do? I want to start by asking you a question this morning. And it's an important question. It's a basic question. You may say, well, I already know the answer to this question. And if you think you know the answer, good, you may. But I want you to look at the text with me this morning, verse 28 and 29. As Isaiah writes for us this question, verse 28, Hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not? That's good news this morning. God doesn't faint, neither is weary. There is no searching of His understanding. Verse 29 says, He giveth power to the faint. And to them that have no might, He increaseth strength. Here's the first question I want us to consider this morning. Who is God? Who is God? If we were to go out on the street today and interview people as they were coming by and said, who is God? People might have different answers. We know they would have different answers. In fact, if I was to interview each one of you here this morning, we might get some different answers. So if we're going to find out who God is, we need to go to God to let Him speak of Himself. If, if I brought, I always pick on Brother Matt because he sits down front, but if I brought Brother Matt up here and we said, who is Matt? You might all have opinions. Maria would probably have the best opinion because she lives with him. But if we really wanted to know Matt, we should talk to Matt, right? And Matt would tell us about himself. And so here in the book of Isaiah, we have detailed out for us not everything that there is to know about God, but a wonderful and helpful list of items that describe who God is. I want you to think with me this morning, who is God. And really, it's like Isaiah is asking that question. Has thou not known? Do you not know this God? Have you not heard about this God? And he gives for us several things about God. Number one, we see that God is everlasting. That means God has always been and God always will be. God has no beginning. He has no ending. Revelation 22.13 says it this way, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. In Psalm 90 verse 2, the Bible says, Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. And some who would question whether or not Jesus Christ is God in human flesh, Hebrews writes this in Hebrews 13 verse 8, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Who is God? Well, we can see, first of all, He is an everlasting God. A God that had a beginning point is not much of a God. Because He's a God that something existed before He did. There Therefore, there'd be something that was before Him or perhaps even greater than Him. But we serve a God who is an everlasting God. He always has been, and He always will be. If our God had a beginning point, He wouldn't be as great as He is. If He has an ending point, He definitely wouldn't be as great as He is. Because if you serve a God that eventually stops or dies or runs out, it's not much of a God. A lot of people serve gods that have ending points. People serve the God of finances. I hate to break it to you, but your finances have an ending point. Yes, you can run up your credit card, but it will end at some point. Your ability to have financial gain. Worshiping the God of finances has an ending point. Worshiping the God of health. Well, if I can just have better health, it'll be good. It has an ending point. No matter how well you take care of yourself, no matter how much you exercise and eat, and you should take care of the body that God has given you, but no matter how well you take care of it, yes, it has an ending point. The God of finances has an ending point. The God of health has an ending point. The God of even fame 
has an ending point. People have worked hard to try to gain notoriety, gain fame. Today, the term is to become an influencer. Everybody wants to be an influencer. Listen, influencers lose their influence at some point. Many influencers have come up against something we know in our day and time as what we call cancel culture. When the world says, no, we don't like your influence anymore. We don't agree with your influence anymore. We're done with your influence. And all of a sudden, their influence is lost. See, influence is not everlasting. Finances are definitely not everlasting. Health is not everlasting. But our God is everlasting. He has no beginning and He has no end. Who is God? Our God is everlasting. We see a second thing about our God here in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28. It talks about that He's an everlasting God. And then it has two more words. He says, He is the Lord. The Lord. What does it mean that He is the Lord? That means He's the Master. That means He's the King. That means He's King of kings, Lord of lords. That means He is in charge of it all. Praise God for a God who's in charge. A lot of people want to serve a God that they can control, that they can tell Him what to do and when to do it. A God that they just kind of have to twist Him up just right or go to Him with their puppy eyes and God will do whatever they want Him to do. But that's not God. He's Lord. I'm thankful we serve a God who's in charge. You know, I used to think it'd be great to be in charge until I was. Some of you understand that in your life. Oh, man, I can't wait to have my own family, to have my own children. Oh, but then now I'm in charge of that. That's a reflection of me. I have to deal with this. I have to put up with this. I have to provide for this. I need to protect these children. I need to help them. Then, oh, I just I would love to have my boss's job. No, you probably wouldn't. You probably wouldn't. I remember several times as I was working in sales, they come to me, hey, we'd like to look at you for management. I said, no, I'm fine right here. I'm fine right here. I, I make more than my manager. I'm happy to stay right here and keep selling and let him try to figure out how to manage all of that. Why? Because being in charge is not that much fun because you don't have all power. You don't have all knowledge. So you feel like you're in charge, but you're really not. I want to share with you this morning, there's only one person who's really in charge. You can run around, you can talk a big game, you can run around and, and act tough and throw your weight around. I even saw a video a couple weeks ago, this guy lifted over a thousand pounds. You know what? His strength will run out. There's only one Lord. He's my God. I wonder, do you know Him? Who is God? Well, God is everlasting. God is the Lord. Back here in Isaiah 28, it says next that He is the creator of the ends of the earth. Genesis 1 and verse 1, the very first verse in the Bible says it this way, In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. In John chapter 1 and verse 3, it says, All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Colossians in chapter 1 verse 16 says, For by Him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by Him and for Him. My God is a creator God. Who is God? He's everlasting. God is telling us about Himself. He's everlasting. God is Lord. God is the creator you know, that means He made you. King David wrote about this in Psalm 139. As he wrote that God knew him even when he was still in his mother's womb. In fact, he said, even before that, you fashioned me. God took all the little parts together and said, this is what King David's going to look like. You know, God did that for you. God did that for me. And God did that for each person in this world. God has made you and He's made you with a purpose. You look in the mirror, you say, wow, that's me. Yeah, you're different than anybody else in the world. We put up a new uh, full-length mirror in the ladies' restroom this week, and I said, well, we're going to be able to see it. You notice we didn't put that up in the men's restroom because the men don't, don't want to see what it looks like in there. I, I, we put up some new lights in the men's restroom this week, and I said, you know, we might hear some screams coming from the men's restroom. Oh, that's what it looks like. 
Yes, it, that's you. God made you. We look at ourselves and we say, wow, why would God do that? God, what were you thinking? God, why am I in this situation? God, why have you allowed this to happen? Well, he's everlasting. He's Lord and he is your creator. Oh, how I wish that we can share this truth with every person in our world that they have a creator who cares about them. There's so many people that are hurting and lost and empty, trying to find fulfillment and meaning in other people, in health, in finances, in even controlling a situation. And friend, I want you to know this morning, God is your creator. He made you just the way you are. But God, praise, praise His name, doesn't leave us there. Because for some of us, we might scream looking in the mirror, or even probably more uh, applicable, if we could see what was inside, that would really make us upset. But God, as your Creator, also sent His Son to be your Savior. He's your Redeemer. You see, when God created the world, He looked around and He saw everything that He'd made and He said that it was very good. But it wasn't long after that. You just read through the first three chapters of Genesis when Adam and Eve sinned. They broke God's law. God had only given them one, and they broke it. I don't know about you, but I've heard people say, what was wrong with Adam and Eve? How They only had one thing to do, and they couldn't do it. Well, look in the mirror, right? That's all it takes for us sometimes too, isn't it? They broke God's law, but God didn't say, well, you've broken my law and wad them up and throw them away. God didn't say, well, your life's over, you're done. No. God told Adam and Eve, in fact, right after they sinned, He said that the seed of the woman, her offspring, referring to Jesus Christ who would come, would bruise the head of the serpent. In other words, that, that slippery one, the deceiver, Satan himself, would be put away and would be put down and would be defeated by Jesus Christ. Our God is our Creator. He is the Lord. He is everlasting. And then it says here, He faints not. Neither is weary. I'm thankful that our God never gets tired. Some of you are tired this morning. I, I heard from somebody on the way in this morning that their neighbor had a big party last night and didn't invite them, but they still couldn't sleep, right? You know, the, up all night as the neighbors were having a good time, and they're like, i got to get to church in the morning. I said, well, I'll try to be excited this morning, keep you awake and help you out this morning. I'm thankful that God never gets tired. I look around this morning, there's a lot of tired people. I know it. You're tired, I'm tired. If you have children, you're tired. If you're over the age of 40, you're tired. The only non-tired people are over here in junior church, and that's why we put them in to start this morning. Probably everybody else is tired. But God isn't tired. Imagine how tired you would get if people were coming to you 24-7, 365, with their needs and prayers and requests. And that's what people can and should do with God, but God never gets tired of it. Parent, do you ever get tired of your children having needs, or of your child having needs? Of course you do. Employer, do you ever get tired of your employees coming to you with more questions and needs and wanting another raise? Of course you do. We get tired, but God never gets tired. He never gets tired. I love what the psalmist wrote in Psalm 121, verses 1 through 4. He said, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. He never goes to sleep. You and I have to go to sleep, but God doesn't. He'll never slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor 
sleep. Our God is an everlasting God. Our God is the Lord. Our God is creator of all things. And our God never gets tired. Boy, if you miss all the others, that should encourage you this morning. That God doesn't get tired. When you're tired, He's not. When you feel like you're at the end of yourself, He's just beginning. When you think you're all out of strength, God has plenty and more to spare because He never gets tired. Honestly, if we even had one of these things about God, it would be fantastic. But God doesn't stop. He just keeps piling on of all of His wonderful attributes. So many people this world, in this world want to ignore God. They want to explain away God. They want to replace God with something else. My friend, this is a God that can't be ignored. He's your creator. You can see the hand of God even down into your DNA. The very way that He made you. In fact, you can see the hand of God when you go outside and look at the sky today. Psalm 19 verse 1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth His handiwork. Day unto day out of speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where His voice is not heard. God is a God that won't be hidden. He's a God that ultimately you can try to ignore, but He won't be ignored. He's a God that you can try to replace, but there's no God that can replace this God. There have been many other false gods that have been put up in this world, but none of them holds a candle to our God. Some may claim some of His attributes, but there's no God that is like God in all of His attributes, everlasting. Lord, Creator, never slumbers nor sleeps. If you remember back in the Old Testament, there's a story about a prophet named Elijah who goes to the top of a mountain to make a sacrifice. And In fact, this was, a comp this was competitive sacrificing. You've heard of competitive barbecue. This was competitive sacrificing. And the competition was which God would send fire. So the prophets and priests of Baal, the false god, they built their altar. They, they put the wood on it. They put the animal on top. And then they began to pray to Baal. They prayed for hours. They danced. They cut themselves. They jumped. They did everything they knew to try to get their God's attention. Elijah finally looked at him and said, maybe your God's on vacation. Maybe he's talking to a friend. Maybe he's taking a nap. I'm so thankful that our God never takes a nap. But you know, because your God doesn't take a nap, you can. You can rest in His strength. You can rest in His presence. You can rest in His goodness this morning. Any of y'all awake or y'all asleep this morning? All right. We can rest because He doesn't have to. Because He never slumbers or sleeps. You know, some people are afraid to go to sleep at night. I heard of a lady just recently and was nearby here, one of our neighbors, and we've been reaching out to try to communicate with her and connect with her. She said, I'm afraid to go to sleep at night for fear I won't wake up. Well, why does she have such fear? I would tell you because she doesn't really know what she's doing. If you're caught up in your fears this morning, if you're struggling to get past, to move forward, I want to remind you, who your God The passage continues on. It says, there is no searching of his understanding. This simply means that he knows and understands everything. You can try to explain him away. You can try to figure out everything about him that you want. But you can't even begin to plumb the depths of his knowledge and his understanding. He knows all things. He understands all things because he is God. King David wrote again in Psalm 139, O Lord, Thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my down-sitting and my uprising. Thou understandest my thoughts afar off. Thou compassed my path. That means He's around me both before and behind and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, Thou knowest it all 
who knows all things. You know, we try to say some things so other people won't hear it sometimes. We even happens at church. Eric walks in, hey, good to see you. Whoa, man, that's the longest thing we did. They didn't hear it, but God did. First, you know, you walk into the, this always happened in sales. People walk in with a happy face and a smile and make a big thing. I was like, what? They might not have heard it, but God did. He knows all your words. He knows all your thoughts. He knows all your intentions. He knows all your motives. He knows everything about you. You cannot get beyond the understanding and knowledge of God. He knows all things. It's crazy, isn't it? Because it doesn't take that far to travel or that much knowledge to get outside of the realm of my ability to understand. I know a little bit about quite a few things, but there's a lot I don't know. If you sat down, probably all of you are experts in something that I pretty much know nothing about. Isn't it crazy to think that every expert in the world still doesn't compare to God? God knows more than every expert in the world all combined on every single topic that there is. Isn't it incredible that that same God who knows and understands all things wrote down for us the truth that he wants us to know? Does God's word include everything about everything? No. But it includes everything that God says you need to know about. Well, the Bible's hard to understand. So is life. You thought marriage was easy? You thought parenting was easy? You thought running with business was easy? You thought being a good citizen was easy? You thought making good decisions in the world we live in was easy? It's not. Trust the truth of God's Word. He knows and He understands everything. And the passage continues on. Back in Isaiah 40, he says, He giveth power to the faint. You see, he gives power because he has all power. The prophet Jeremiah wrote in Jeremiah 32, 17, Ah, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. You know somebody else that we learned that nothing was too hard for God? It was with Abraham and Sarah. Abraham, now up around 100 years old. His wife Sarah, about 90. God had promised them a child, a son. You know the story. You know Abraham tried to sort of, make, sort of help God out. And rather than having a child with his wife, he took another woman, her servant, her handmaid, Hagar, and had a child with her, which is not what God had told him to do. So God comes to him again and says, no, you're going to have a child with Sarah. And he says, there's no way. In fact, he even laughed at God. And the question was asked, is anything too hard for God? What are you facing this morning that is too hard for you? I've got a few things on my list. Any of you have a couple things? Say, this is too hard. I'm not sure I'm going to figure this out. I'm not sure where I'm going to go. I'm not sure what I'm going to do. I'm thankful we serve a God that nothing is too hard for Him. He has all power. He can do all things. He gives power because He has all power. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 37 and 38 Ask this question, Who is he that saith, and it cometh to pass, when the Lord commandeth it not? Out of the mouth of the Most High proceedeth not evil. Good. When God commands something, it always takes place. When you and I try to command something, make it happen, boy, it doesn't always happen, does it? You've made plans, haven't you? I'm going to make this happen, and then it didn't happen. We just don't talk about those. Let me tell you the stories of all the times my plans did work out. I don't want to tell you about the times they did. But the reality is there's only one whose plans always work out. It's God. 
In the New Testament, Paul wrote this in 2 Corinthians 12, 9. He said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. He gives power because he has all power. Wow. We're just getting started. We don't have time to go through all the rest of the scripture on who God is. But I hope even this short list of things is a good reminder, a challenge. Maybe it's, you've learned something new about God today. So the first question, who is God? I think the second question that this passage helps us to think through and one we need to consider this morning, who are you? Well, I know who I am. Let's look at verse number 29 and 30. Isaiah 40, verses 29 and 30. He giveth power to the faint. And to them that have no might, He increaseth strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fail, utterly fall. We tend to think higher of ourselves than we should. I can do this. I can get it done. I'm strong enough. I'm smart enough. I'm tough enough. I can just work through this. I know this. I look around. Houston is full of people that can get it done on their own. That's why we see so much business being built here. That's why we see so many things going. There's an entrepreneurial spirit here. And I love that entrepreneurial spirit. But you know what? When we ask that question, who you are this morning, I want you to know, even if you're young and you have lots of energy, you will get tired. You may be pretty great, but you're not great enough. In fact, the scripture tells it to us this way, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You may be a Pretty good person from all outward appearance. As people look at, well, he's a pretty good guy. She's a pretty good lady. They're great people. The greatest person in here has still fallen short of the glory of God. You see, when we understand who God is, it helps us to understand ourselves better. You say, why is that? It's because God made you. And if you want to understand the design, you need to go understand the designer. If you want to understand more about the architecture in Houston, you look up who the architect was, who designed it, who built it. As you ride down the roads in Houston, you say, who was the architect of these? Clearly it wasn't God. Because it's not perfect. It falls apart. It's messed up. Those hard things. If you want to understand a design, you understand the designer. If you want to understand who you are, you need to understand who your creator is. See, a lot of people struggling with identity these days. What's my identity? I identify as this or that or the other thing. The reason people struggle with their identity, and this happens to all kinds of people in all kinds of ways, is because they don't know their creator. It's really hard to understand something if you don't know who made it. Now, if when you came in this morning, I told you these chairs were designed by the greatest chair designer and manufactured by the greatest chair manufacturer ever, you'd say, well, first of all, it's not true. But if it were, just imagine with me for a minute, you'd say, wow, this is a great chair. I can trust this chair because I know who made it. I know where it was made and how it was made. I understand their track record. So I can trust in it. See, when you understand who God is, it helps to make a lot more sense of this world that you're living in. It helps you to understand why you have the feelings that you feel. Why you have the thoughts that you think. Why other people are the way that they are. The world says, well, you just need to do a personality profile. Well, we've got a lot of crazy personalities, right? So why is it that way? Well, that's how God made us. You see, even the strongest person will get tired. Even the person with the most 
energy will grow weak. But we know who God is. We've learned a little bit about ourselves. Here's another question to consider. Do you know God? Like, really know Him. Not just about Him. There's two ways of knowing somebody, right? You can know about Him, and then you can know Him. In Spanish, it's helpful because you have two different verbs. Right? You have ser, you have conocer, right? You can know somebody in a, in a way. You can know about somebody. In, in English, we have one verb. It's to know. Even when you go back and study in the Greek and the Hebrew, the original languages for the Scripture, you'll see that there are different words used to describe the idea of knowledge, knowing somebody. There's, there's knowing about something, and then there's knowing in a personal, experiential type of way. And that's my question this morning. Not just do you know about God. Some facts, maybe you could have heard some Bible stories, maybe you know some of the terminology. I'm talking about, do you know God personally? Is He your friend? Is He your Father? Is Jesus Christ your Savior this morning? The question is asked again back in Isaiah 40, verse 28. Hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard? Do you know God? Have you heard about Him? How do you know Him? Do you have this personal relationship with God? Over in John chapter 17, Jesus Christ, God in human flesh, He prayed a prayer to His Heavenly Father, to God the Father. And I would encourage you to read the whole chapter. There's not time in the service this morning, but I want to read to you just two verses. John 17 in verse 3, Jesus said this, And this is life eternal. Remember, God is eternal. He's everlasting. This is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God. We need to know God if we're going to have eternal life. But he tells us how to know God. He says, And Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. So the way to know God is through Jesus Christ. Jesus said it this way over in John chapter 14 and verse 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Others say, well, I understand. That's in the Bible. I'm just going to find my own way to God. You'll never get there. Or the God that you'll end up following will not be God at all. Because there's only one way to God, and it's through Jesus Christ. Well, that sounds very exclusive. It is. But this isn't my way. This is His way. It's our job to help you know the way. It'd be like after the service today, instead of staying here and having lunch out of the taco truck, we said, hey, why don't you come over to my house for lunch? You say, well, how do I get there? Well, let me tell you the way. You say, well, I want to go my own way. Okay, well, we'll be at the house having lunch. Whenever you get there, we'll be fine. Why do we have an attitude when it comes to God's way of salvation? Why do people think that, well, I'm going to get there on my own. I'm going to work hard and do good things. The Bible says it this way. There's none righteous. No, not one. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of God's glory. So your good works can't get you there. Well, but I am a good person. The Bible says there's none good but God. God told me I'm a bad person? Yes. Yes. I'm thankful that God loves bad people because if He only loved good people, none of us would have any hope. Your good works can't get you to God. Say, well, what about coming to church? I'm here today. I haven't been in a long time, but I'm in church today. Well, that's wonderful. But coming to church won't get you to God. You'll learn about God. We can tell you about God. You'll hear about God. But it won't give you a personal relationship with God. Do you understand the difference? There's nothing greater in all the world than having a personal relationship with your Creator. Because all of a sudden it helps 
everything to make sense. Because now you are where you're supposed to be. Sort of like if you're a puzzle piece and God was the puzzle designer and the one who's assembling it all together. You're that piece that's lost on the floor and kicked under the rug. That piece is not going to fulfill its purpose. That piece is not going to understand how it works in connection and in concert with, in harmony with all the other pieces to make a beautiful picture that the designer of that puzzle designed. God's made you sort of like that puzzle piece. You have a specific place. You have a specific purpose. And you reflect a specific piece of God's glory to Him and to this world. But man, we would laugh if all of a sudden that puzzle piece grew legs and ran away and said, well, I'm going to go make my own puzzle piece. You don't fit. Why? Because you have a design. You have a creator. You have a place. Jesus said in John 17, verse 20, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through the word. Jesus prayed for you if you will believe in Him as the only way to God. This morning, if you do not have a personal relationship with God, I'm going to invite you to talk to Him personally. Did you know He'll hear you? He says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. People think, well, getting saved is coming to church. Getting saved is doing... No, getting saved is none of those things. Getting saved is coming to God through Jesus Christ. This morning, if you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, would you confess your sin to Him? You talk to God. You don't have to confess to me. I'm not your priest. You have one high priest, and He's in heaven. He's seated at the right hand of God the Father. Confess your sin, and He'll forgive you. Scripture says, He that confesseth and forsaketh his sin shall have mercy. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. Trust in Him today. Before you live, leave this place this morning, bow your head and cry out to God and say, Lord, save me. Forgive me of my sin. Trust in Him. Who is God? Who are you? I want you to see finally Verse 31, that to move forward, you must learn to wait. A lot of heavy things going on, a lot of things weighing us down, discouraging us. We look out at this world and we look into your own life situation. That sore neck and sore back and my legs are sore. And all I did was pitch the dodgeball to the kids yesterday at the youth activity. Man, I'm tired. What's wrong with me? Say, in life, how are we going to move forward? You can't do it in your own strength. This year, our theme has been forward, moving forward for the Lord. But I don't want you to ever get the idea that Christianity is some sort of bootstrapping type thing where you just pull yourself up by your own bootstrap. I'm just going to do it. I'm going to do it. No, you can't. In fact, Jesus said this in John chapter 15, for without me, ye can do nothing. A lot of people trying to do something. So we've looked at who God is. We've understood more about ourselves. Verse 30 of Isaiah 40 says, Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. And up to this point, we've talked about God, we've talked about ourselves, but this is a heavy message. Might even, some might even say, oh, it's a little bit of a discouraging message. But let's get to the last verse, verse 31. It says, but, big contrast here, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. You say, I'm weary. Yeah. I'm fainting. 
God says you can run and not be weary. You can walk and not faint. You say, I'm too tired. I don't think I can keep going forward. So how do we go forward? To move forward, you must learn to wait. Almost sounds backwards, doesn't it? I'm supposed to be going forward. I'm supposed to wait. What does that mean? Well, to wait on the Lord means to hope in, to trust in, and to have faith in God. Kind of like if I told my children, hey, we're heading out on a trip. Tomorrow they run out the front door and start running down the street. I say, kids, you're not going to sleep. Where are you going? Wait. Waiting doesn't mean just standing around not doing anything. Waiting means trusting in the plan of the one that you're waiting on. You see, as a Christian, we're not just standing around like, God, would you ever do something? God, when are you going to fix this situation? No, waiting says... Your plan is better than my plan because your knowledge is beyond searching. God, I'm waiting on you because you have all the power and I don't. God, I'm waiting on you to do it in your time and in your way because you made me. I don't know what's best for me, but you do. God, I'm going to wait on you because you're the Lord. God, I'm going to wait on you because you are everlasting. Lord, let us wait on you. A lot of us don't want to wait, though. God, I'll be over here. When you're ready, you can come get me. That's the wrong attitude. God, I want to go this way. Lord, bless me in the way that I'm going. Bless me, Lord. Wait on the Lord. You're doing it in your own strength. That's why you're tired. You've come to the end of yourself. That's why you're weary. Well, I haven't yet. Don't worry, you will. Talk to somebody here with a little bit of gray hair, and they'll let you know, or less hair, and they'll let you know. You'll, you'll run out of strength. You will get tired. You can't do it on your own. You have to wait on the Lord. It's hard to wait, isn't it? Because waiting is an admission that you're not in charge. And we like to be in charge. Even if it's just of our own tiny little world. <laughs> I'm going to be in charge of just me in my bedroom, laying in my bed. I'm in charge. I'm calling in sick. I'm not going to school. I'm not going to work because I'm in charge right now. That's how I'm going to take care of myself. I'm going to be in charge of my cup of coffee, and they're going to put exactly in there what they want. If they don't, it's going to send me through the roof because they didn't make my coffee. I'm in charge. We like to be in charge, don't we? But somebody who is in charge is not waiting on God. Somebody who's trying to go about it in their own strength is not waiting on the Lord. Somebody who says, well, I know what's best. God bless me. This is what I'm doing. Wait on the Lord. Waiting on the Lord means trusting in His way. Means waiting for instruction because you trust His plan. Means waiting for His help because you trust His power. Means waiting for direction because you trust His wisdom. Are you willing to wait and just read your Bible and pray and say, Lord, show me the way. Can you imagine what it must have been like for King David, who wrote much of the Psalms, as he spent days and weeks and months, probably even years, just sitting on a hillside watching sheep? Even after he had been anointed as the next king of Israel, well, I know my purpose. I'm supposed to be king. What am I going to do? Watch sheep. That's boring. David, more important than you being king is that you have a personal relationship with me. David, more important than you running around and killing giants and doing all this awesome stuff is knowing God. As you read the Psalms, you read the words of a man who knew God. He didn't just know about Him. He knew Him. And where did he get to know Him? Sitting on a hillside watching sheep. Some of you are too busy to know God. Some of you might think you're too smart to know God. 
Well, I have enough. I don't need God. And I'm thankful when God takes people, even great, high-capacity people like King David clearly was, and puts them in a place where he just has to be still and wait on God. Say, God, you're not doing anything. No, God was doing a lot. Because the work that God was doing in David helped to produce for us the Psalms. I'm sure thankful that God made David wait on the hillside to be still. You know, when God allows difficulty in your life, you feel like, I'm stuck, I'm stopping, I don't know what to do. God may be putting you in a position so that you can learn how to better wait on Him. He's taken away your own strength, it's run out. He's taken away, He's gone beyond the limits of your understanding and your knowledge so that you'll look to Him for knowledge. Even as I look about all the struggle in our world, I say maybe God wants us to learn to wait on Him. We've lived too long in a nation that thinks it can just do whatever it wants and it doesn't matter. When a nation forgets God, the nation is in a very, very dark place. I'm thankful for our country. I'm thankful for the people. We're enjoying the freedoms this morning. We enjoy the freedoms when we get out on the road and, and we, we feel relative safety as we drive around, as we live in our homes under relative sense of security. We have food to eat. We have a place to sleep. God has blessed us richly. But friend, don't forget where that blessing came from. Turn back to Him. Look what I did. Look what I got. God, look what God gave me. The scripture says, to whom much has been given, much is required. You and I have been given a lot this morning. And yes, maybe we've come to a place, or you are at a place, or have been at a place, or will be at a place, where you don't feel like you can keep moving forward. Well, how am I going to go forward? You're going to wait on well, I need more strength. Be prepared to wait a little longer. Go to Him. Stop trying to move forward in your own strength. Consider God's Word. Consider God's priorities. Remember God's plans. Remember God's strength. Trust God's wisdom. Over in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul wrote a very challenging and encouraging letter to the church at Corinth. And he says this, and I think the application is so clear for us today as we think about waiting on God, even in the midst of difficult times. If you have your Bible and you want to turn there with me, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 14 to 17. If you don't have your Bible, just listen as I read these verses to you. The Bible says this, Knowing that He which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise us up also by Jesus and shall present us with you. There's a great confidence here. He says, because Jesus rose again, we can hope that we will raise, rise again as well. Look at verse 15. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God, for which cause we faint not. Sounds a lot like Isaiah 40, doesn't it? It says, We faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, you say, this feels heavy. God says, no, that's light affliction. He says, why, why? you say, why is it light? The next words tell us, which is but for Yes, you may be in a hard place right now, but it's only for a moment. James says it this way, your life is a vapor. It appears for a little time and then vanishes away. You could have the hardest life of anybody in the world, but I would still try to encourage you by saying it's only for a moment. This mortal body, this flesh, it will pass. It will end. It will go away. But notice he says, 
that light affliction, it's but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. God uses hard times, waiting times, weak times, weary times to bring glory to himself by bringing us closer to himself so that we can truly experience what it means to have a close relationship with God. My wife and I this summer celebrated 16 years wedded. Wedded bliss. Most of it happened. We've loved getting to know one another. But you know, my love for her is far different today than it was 16 years ago. It's stronger. Some of you think maybe it's not strong. It's good. It's, it's stronger. Why? Because we've spent time together. We've been through hard things together. We've moved and traveled and had children and grown up together. A relationship matures with more time. And it matures as you go through hard things. Somebody said it this way, a faith that's never been tested can't be trusted. A relationship that's never gone through something hard probably isn't as strong as it looks. We saw that Last month when Hurricane Ida hit there in South Louisiana, buildings that look good are knocked down. So how did that happen? Well, because when it was tested, it couldn't stand, withstand the strain. And in your life, you've gone through difficulty. You might be in it right now. So I feel like I'm about to break it. Would you wait upon the Lord and renew your strength? As we close this morning, I want you to think about those questions again. Do you know God? Do you have a personal relationship with Him? Knowing about God won't get you through the storm. Only knowing Him personally. As we finish and pray, I'm going to talk to the Lord, thank Him for this service. I'm going to ask Him to encourage our hearts, but I'm going to ask you, if you don't know the Lord this morning, to pray to Him. I don't know how to pray. Just talk to Him like you talk to me. Say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I've, I've been doing things my own way, my own strength, and I know that that's not enough. I need you. Lord, forgive me. I'm trusting in you. There are people here sitting close to you this morning that have done that very thing, just even in the last few months. Some in the last couple of years. A few minutes after the service, we're going to have a baptism. We're going to talk about it again. Somebody else that just recently trusted in Christ. God is calling to you this morning. Would you come and trust in Him today? Christian, you may be sitting here and say, well, I do know Him. I have a personal relationship but I'm tired. I'm not sure I'm really moving forward like I ought to. And I would challenge you this morning to get with God. Wait on Him. Get in His Word. Spend time in prayer. And get back into that close relationship with Him that matures. Let's pray. Lord, if there's somebody here today, or there may be that doesn't know you as Savior, I pray that they would call out to you now. Say, Lord, forgive me. I'm a sinner. And I need you. Lord, I pray that they would not leave this place without making sure that they have that relationship with you. That they could go from here not just based on a feeling or something that they did, but based on the word of God and the promises of Jesus Christ that they have eternal life. Father, this morning there are many who do know you and have that relationship, but they're tired. Lord, we need to all learn to wait on you. Help us to keep pressing forward till Jesus comes back, but to understand that must be done in your strength so that we can mount up like an eagle on its wings, flying and soaring up to the highest heights 
that can only be done through your Spirit. As the wind of your Spirit, the strength that comes through your Word lifts us up over the struggles and the mountaintops, the problems, the storms of life. Lead us into a closer relationship with you. Bless the close of this service now in Jesus' name.